And now, it's time for a nerd movie. We just had a very interesting movie summer. Um, for those of you who are living under a rock, uh, a thing called Barbenheimer happened. Um, definitely like a summer blockbuster phenomenon. Um, and we also had a bunch of flop busters. Indiana Jones, Mission Impossible, the latest Pixar movie, Little Mermaid, lots of The Flash, most notably. Lots of flop busters. So... Uh, I think this would be a good question for today, Aaron. Um, what makes the perfect summer blockbuster? Uh, the Death Star Trench Run. <laughs> the, the Death Star Trench Run. Just put that at the end of your movie, yeah. and you are going to gross a billion. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you say uh, Top Gun Maverick basically does the trench run at the end That's of exactly that exactly what it is. <laughs> billion dollars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just with Tom Cruise doing it. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, folks. Um, just make sure you put in a trench run at the end and you're good. Thanks Summer for listening, everyone. You got it. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Um, this is not Star Trek stories today. You are listening to Nerd Movies 3, Jaws. I am definitely excited to do Jaws. This will be a little different than the last couple films we watched. Um, yeah, for those of you who are new um to the show, I am your worthy host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my luscious co-host, Ooh. Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Jaron. Oh, yeah. He was pushing back those imaginary locks. My luscious locks. <laughs> um, yeah, we usually cover Star Trek on this show, uh, for those who um, are new, uh, but anytime we're in between chunks of Star Trek episodes, um, we kind of like to do a little palate cleanser and watch non-star trek stuff and that's kind of what we're doing today watching a nice little nerd movie um yeah last time on nerd movies we watched 2022's the batman um where we delved into the gritty world of superheroes and batman and such um i still say that film was too long but i think we had a good time watching the batman yeah um yeah and as always we like to bring a few friends to come watch these nerd movies with us um and we have a few friends with us today um a couple of um returning friends and a new friend um sitting on my left we have our first returning guest aaron who do we have sitting over there we have my wife welcome back uh cast to the show my wife <laughs> hi i don't i don't know what i'm doing in between these two yahoos but yeah it'll be a good time i'm excited to be here thanks for having me guys getting bounced around with bad jokes oh, oh god oh, no, stop, stop it guys so okay. basically just a sunday a normal sunday yeah. <laughs> um yes Cass, how are you today Good. Um, I'm excited to watch Jaws. I've never seen it. Never seen it. Yes. Cass is our newbie. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I uh, am actually petrified of the ocean specifically because of the things that could kill you in the ocean, uh, which I think contributed to why I never bothered to watch it. So, um, yeah, excited to see it, see what all the hype is about. Yeah. Listen to that classic don't don't. Yeah. Where does that come from? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully this will be a little scarier than the last time you were on. Last time we watched uh, for Star Trek stories, the last outpost where the Ferengi showed up with their laser whips. And yes. Hopefully this will be a little <laughs> more frightening than <laughs> your human <laughs> little money grabbing trolls. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, and I was going to ask. So f- this movie is famously 
um, the movie that made millions of people afraid to go in the water. And I was going to like, uh, does Cass have an underwater thing? Some people do, some people don't. It sounds like you do. I definitely do. I love being on top of the water. I love boats, paddle boards, anything where I'm not submerged in the water. But as soon as like my body gets in the water and especially my head, it's it's a bad time for me. Mm. I will I will panic. I can swim to save my life, but just um, so yeah, water's water's not my thing. Thalassophobia is that the phobia? Fear is that of what underwater it is? things? Underwater things, maybe. That's where I get the heebie-jeebies. Is the the deep, dark, unexplored ocean stuff? Yeah, there's so many things there that can kill you, including just the pressure of the water. Right. Yeah. Like so. that submarine that just imploded. Oh. Yeah. Those poor billionaires. <laughs> Controlling with, with a GameCube controller and they, they, <laughs> too soon. So they literally <laughs> screwed soon. like one of too the monitors soon. into the hole. <laughs> like, yeah, we're good. They kind of had it coming. Um, Rest in peace. You know, I'm I'm you know speaking of fears, I'm curious, Cass. Um, we talked about how last time you were on, um, you're a flight attendant. You actually educated us on hypoxia. Yeah, you showed us Star Trek correctly portrayed hypoxia. <laughs> we, good we job, all Star Trek. learned something on Star Trek. <laughs> um. I know there are people who their big, deep-rooted fear is flying. I'm assuming that's not the case for you. No. Um, <laughs> do you do you have to deal with that a lot up there? Like people who are like, <sighs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, fear of flying is a real thing, and it happens all the time. Um, it's not usually a fear of actually flying. It's being uncomfortable, not having control. Mm. Um, so statistically, you're way more likely to be injured or die in a car crash, which, you know, we drive in cars all the time. At 30,000 feet, there's not a lot you can run into. Um, there's not a lot of bad things that can happen. Our pilots go through several hundred hours of flight training, several years of flight training, um, whereas for a driver's license, you practice for a couple of years. And, mm -hmm. um, so flying is very safe. So usually with people who have a fear of flying, it's really just a fear of not understanding like the mechanics of the plane, how it flies, maybe being so high up in the air. But uh, for the most part, it's just a fear of not having control and not knowing what to do in an emergency, which is why I have a job. So I'm thankful for the people who are afraid of flying because if they weren't, then why you wouldn't need flight attendants. Mm. But who's gonna pass out the snacks? <laughs> get your own fucking They snack. could get their own snacks. <laughs> I always say that anybody on a plane could do every part of my job if they would just stop and read. Mm -mm. Everything that I need on the plane is very, very clearly labeled. Mm. If you crashed, you could get out of the plane just fine. Just fine. As long as you weren't panicking. Well, hell yeah. I'm excited to hear your thoughts and feelings <laughs> on Jaws, especially if you don't like underwater things. This movie's yeah, going to be perfect. Be great. Great. Yay. It's a good thing we're doing this after we've been on a cruise. We might not ever go on a cruise again. This don't is worry, a, fine. There's pizza. <laughs> there's pizza. Well, also coming back to the show, uh, making their long awaited return, um, is my brother Tanner Hatch is back on the show. Yay! Hello, everyone. Hello. Yes, I have been listening to each and every single podcast, not on Spotify, but just through the the door and the walls. You guys would not believe the stuff they go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot that doesn't make it to the final cut. So Tanner knows all of it, though. Yes, for those of you who um, are new to the show, Tanner is my brother and roommate. 
Um, or I think we decided roommate. Roommate. roommate brother, brother, brother. Yes, yes, There's yes. an order of operations. Um, um, last time you, you were here, we watched the classic 60s episode, Friday's Child. <laughs> yes, I was going to say we went straight from mediocre, forgettable to the complete opposite. The all-time classic. All-time classic. <laughs> you haven't been on since Friday's Child, but you've been here in spirit. Yes. Tanner, I know you have seen Jaws before, um, but you've seen it once, twice? Once for sure, maybe twice, though I'm not sure if that second time is just me remembering clips and other people watching it in the background, but at least once for sure. Yeah. I love Jaws, so I, I've seen this movie a few times, so I'm sure that's probably what yeah. some of that second viewing is. Um. When was the last time you remember watching this? Has it been a, a, a long while? Um, yeah, I was trying to think. Um, and we were talking about it. And my guess is it's going to be at least a decade or more. Okay. More than a decade. Maybe 15 years. Mm. Yeah, that's a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I'm, I, I'm curious, like, what? I mean, we grew up together, but. And, you know, like, I remember, I don't, like, there are some movies that, like, we all latch on to, we'll, we'll quote a million times. And I know Wild Jaws is one of my favorite movies. I'm like, you know, I don't know how, your feelings on this. I don't know if I've ever, like, there are some people I will nerd about this movie with. But I'm like, I know you've seen it, but I don't think we've ever really talked about it. What are your, I'm curious, what are your, I don't know, at least memories or feelings on Jaws? Um... If I'm being honest, I have more memories and feelings on the sequels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not good memories and well, good memories, but yeah, I guess poor thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, for this one, uh, not to get I guess too into it to save it for it mm-hmm. afterwards, but um, yeah, it's definitely been a movie that is just kind of always been there. I enjoy it. Um, but it's not something that's really spoken to me a whole lot. Um, so it's just kind of it's one of those movies. Yeah, I just kind of yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I enjoy it, but I don't really have you know more to think or say about it. Or like you know, people really get into it. Like like if you get really into it, I'm just like yeah, yeah, I like sure, it. yeah. So but but that was, that was 15 years ago. So what mm-hmm. I was you know. 17 so so yeah and my how i watch movies and stuff has definitely changed mm. in that time um yeah there's a big difference between when so yeah when you're younger and yeah 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 j- just age but yeah also just living with you um since how you watch movies has kind of affected how i watch movies so i, I would say for for the better um, my analytical deep dives right I, I mean yeah I, I mean I have an analytical brain so it I mean it's not you know entirely just based off view so but yeah. that's definitely been an influence so I'll be interested to see what I think now mm, we do have to real talk real quick talk about those Jaws sequels because um, yeah I, I watched the first one a bunch of times you're like you know I remember I have to see and this was a while ago now um, probably like 10 years when I did the Jaws sequels, uh, I I don't remember if you were there for the second one. It's the one where all the all the kids are out there on the and like the shark slowly picking them off. Yeah, see that one. I think I've seen 
maybe once. I know we watched it on vacation somewhere on like mm. it was on like cable TV and we had it on or something. It so I remember out. some pieces from that. And then you, yeah, you watched it again. I may have been around for so pieces. So where the he fe- like yeah. he, he kills the shark by feeding the yeah the the, 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 the electric cable. cable yeah. and, <laughs> <laughs> and then there was and which is the best of the sequels, and it's still not a good yep. movie. Um, this this franchise plummets pretty rapidly. And then we watched Jaws three or Jaws 3D. And then just when we thought things couldn't get worse, we watched Jaws the Revenge, which is somehow even worse than Jaws 3D. Is that with Michael Caine? It's the yeah. Michael Caine yeah. one. That's yeah, because we were laughing through most of it. It wasn't until the end that we started cracking up. Most of it is just boring, boring. slog. Yeah. Yeah, so so yeah, that's probably freshest in your mind as the sequels. Mhm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see <laughs> With those being the freshest in your mind, coming back to this film now, the good one. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm excited to see if the, if your thoughts and feelings have changed at all. Um, and then finally, uh, we have a new friend on with us. Um, one of my good friends from work. Um, the very lovely Toby Simmons is on the show with us. Hello, Toby. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Yes, I'm here too, everyone. Thank you. Um, Toby, how the hell are you today? Doing great. Um, hell yeah. I'm so glad you decided to come do this. Um, for yeah, those we've talked about it for a while. We have talked about it. Um, that's basically all we do is just talk about books and dead Russian composers mm-hmm. at, at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, um, I don't think I've ever really asked you this before, Toby. I'm curious, where does this love of liter- literature come from? I know there's lots of things you like, but I know you have a real love for like books and literature. Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think growing up, I mean, movies were obviously, they were very you know, central in my life as well. I think that's a big part of everyone's childhood. Um, but we didn't have access to like you know cable tv we didn't really watch sports on tv so my like escape sort of oh yeah and like no video games or anything like that just very you know sheltered strict parent Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. um so my thing you know was was reading and that was also you know the library was a place i could go and not be supervised my parents yeah they were like yeah i mean you can't get into too much trouble there right Mm -hmm. so you know i'd spend a lot of time at the library and you know, read a lot. And I just, I loved it. That became, you know, just this, this place of escape for me, which I think I needed. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's just become something that, you know, I, I love, you know, analyzing, um, yeah, authors and, and now composers. Music is a, become a, a large part of my life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I'm also curious, um, Cause you know, and you had said like you study authors and you study composers. So, and this is something that like I also do too. And I know it's kind of like a shared thing we have where it's like, well, we don't just read something or it's not even just books, whether it's like we're watching something or we're listening to something or reading something. We don't just like read the thing or what it's like we study it. Oh yeah. It's like we, you know, what's what's the author's tragic life and mm-hmm. like what was the process of this whole thing coming in what were the influence like all the things like we just get into it i'm also curious kind of like where does that come from 
Ooh. for you, like that extra step. Cause that's not, certainly not everyone who consumes like what any kind of media, uh-huh. that kind of academic rigor that also comes with it. Yeah. I don't know. I've, I've never actually, you know, thought about that. It's just kind of something that helps me maybe understand the, the piece. If it's, if it's music or a film or a book, um, I have, you know, I always carry like notebooks with me and they're always full of like, every time I start a book, I'm going to start with, okay, here's, here's the author. When, when was the author alive? Who's, what's the author's background? And, um, you know, even with, you know, films too, if I'm documentary specifically, not like, I mean, I wouldn't do it with Jaws, (laughs) but if I'm, if I'm watching a documentary, then I'll be like, okay, who produced this? Why are they interested in this? Um, specifically and, you know, it's, I don't know. It just it just makes it come alive for me. It just I I like seeing that behind the scenes process. Mm-hmm. Just makes it make sense in my head, I suppose. Hell yeah, I love that. Um, you too have seen Jaws, um, but you haven't seen it in a while. No, I've I've only seen it once. Once as a kid, and mm-hmm. I do rec- uh, if I recall, you have a very interesting <laughs> first time with Jaws. Yeah, so I'm originally from California. Um, I moved from the Bay Area about four years ago, and I'm very comfortable with the ocean. I love the water. Um, I grew up, you know, swimming, surfing, you know, uh, we lived a bit more inland, so the Delta was a place where we, like, water skied a lot, and I had an uncle who had a house that the backyard was basically like like a dock where he docked his boat, and then, and then we'd take off through the Delta and water ski, and they had this great idea, uh, my uncle and my dad, that we should watch Jaws from the boat and we should, you know, they had this projector that they hung from the, from the house so that we could sit in the boat and then watch it against the, against the house. So we're in the water, you know, that you can, you can hear the water. It's dark. It's dark. It was at night too. Um, and we were, me and my cousins and my siblings, we were probably maybe, I don't know, six or seven of us in this boat. And about halfway through, you know, we're all totally immersed in it. Um, my uncle and my dad had swam from, I guess, a, a neighboring house so we couldn't hear him, and it had come up behind this boat and started shaking it and splashing around. And we were like, ah, what the, what is this? And we were so, so scared. And I think that was one of the first times that my siblings ever heard me curse, which was also, a, we got in trouble for that. <laughs> but, but Got in it was, trouble? <laughs> yeah. Why did you swear? Because we were watching Jaws on the water. Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, we were really scared. But um, yeah, so that was a, oh gosh. Yeah, I I only ever saw it once. Just just that one time because it was so scary. Yeah, who needs to go do Jaws the ride? No. (laughs) When you get the 4D immersive experience. My God. Oh gosh. Yeah, it was was pretty pretty terrifying. But I mean, even still, like I, I am not scared. Of sharks or underwater mm. whales or or anything i i i love the ocean a lot so these majestic creatures oh yeah and I'm, <laughs> and just like well yeah majestic sure david <laughs> um well hell yeah so this will be fun because you haven't seen it since you were pretty young so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited i'm sure to see it it's again. not very fresh in your head anymore no no well hell yeah um, real quick for the group, I'm curious, um, what do you guys think makes like the perfect summer blockbuster? Jaws is essentially most, this film is considered to be the original 
summer blockbuster and some would still call it one of the best um based and now we live in a world of summer blockbusters so i'm curious i don't know what do you guys think makes the perfect summer blockbuster um i think it's i mean i guess the quick way would be to say broad appeal but that's not a very interesting way to say it i think it's more if there is a an intent by the filmmakers to kind of latch onto a simple feeling, perhaps, that is everyone can kind of relate to. So with like Jaws and Jurassic Park, there's the the, the thrill, the terror elements. Something like Indiana Jones or Star Wars, it's just the kind of the fun adventure feeling, you know, and just kind of being sincere and just trying to make a movie that it's enjoyable. Um, I feel like a lot of times when people are trying to make summer blockbusters and fail they are trying to kind of tack on other stuff they're trying to put in these like moral quandaries and other stuff that just this is like this is not you're trying to make a summer blockbuster and you're trying to have everyone have a good time they should be focusing on trying to get that feeling across rather than some of these other kind of extraneous stuff so i think maybe that's what it is for me I mean, I want to say the the score is is mm. obviously like the music. I yeah, like you, it's much harder to latch on to a film and you label it as a summer blockbuster unless there's that iconic, mm. memorable, you know, score that's backing it up. And I mean, Jaws, of course, has that iconic, you know, John Williams. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, Jared. Yep, that's what I said. Cass, what do you think? What, what do you think makes the? Oh, the perfect summer blockbuster. Well, I'm glad you came to me last because I really don't know. Um, <laughs> mm. I I don't know that I have ever really enjoyed a movie that has been a summer blockbuster, except I don't, would Maverick be one? That was oh, like the last yeah. movie that I really Trench run. enjoyed. But I like airplanes. So <laughs> uh. um, you give me like any movie with airplanes and Tom Cruise and I'm, I'm probably going to be pretty happy. Um, but like the two for this summer, uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer, I didn't enjoy either one. Wow. Yes. I haven't heard anyone with I that. Know. I'm really in the minority and I was really excited to see both of them because they were so hyped up and I didn't like either one. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't my thing. So I don't know. There were no planes and there was no time <laughs> No planes, no time <laughs> There was a lot of pink. I don't want this. Just no, too much pink. Color, yeah. Don't ask me for movie recommendations. Joe Dirt's a classic. I don't care who they are. <laughs> if I could watch one it's movie, Joe Dirt. Dirt. Probably Joe Dirt. wouldn't get made today, but it's very fun. Oh, absolutely mm. not. Well, yeah. Well, let's um, let's take a look at this silly little film and maybe figure out what does make a good summer blockbuster since this is the OG. Yes. Um, Jaws. This was first released June 20th, 1975. Um, there had, of course, been hugely successful movies. I think actually Gone with the Wind is, if you account for inflation, still the most successful movie of all time. But in terms of that kind of like, I don't know, pop culture phenomenon that just like dominates like a summer, like this was, this was the first one. Um, this is also our first horror film on nerd movies and i think really like our first real look at horror on the podcast in general i think aaron we haven't really gotten too much into it which is its own brand of nerd movie it really is so it'll be fun to see if this movie still holds up as a good little horror film uh and this is our first uh steven spielberg movie um spielberg is also essentially 
like a genre unto himself. Like he's just so prolific and so particular. It's like he might as well be a genre movie. So, and there are definitely Spielberg nerds out there, myself included. He, he basically raised us <laughs> in a way. For sure. Yeah. Like this movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, hook <laughs> come on jurassic park yeah i love spielberg and this is still one of my favorites to go back to um people have used this term that spielberg magic it'll be interesting to see if what if you can identify what is it what is the spielberg magic you know that he brings to the table um yeah i think that'll be a lot of fun um all right for those of you at home who are going to watch along with us um jaws is like mostly just available for rent in a few places right now. You can find it on Tubi, I think, with ads. Otherwise, you can rent it on Amazon, Apple, YouTube, or whatever. We are, of course, watching the very fancy uh, 40th anniversary 4K Blu-ray edition. Um, so it should look very beautiful. Um, all right. Uh, we are going to watch this um, silly little movie, and we will be back after we watch Jaws. shark expert in the world will tell you it's a killer. It's a man-eater. Look, the situation is that apparently a great white shark has staked a claim in the waters off Amity Island. And he is going to continue to feed here as long as there is food in the water. And, and there's no limit to what he's going to do. I mean, we've already had three incidents. Two people killed inside of a week, and it's going to happen again. It happened before. The Jersey Beach. 1916, 1916 there were five, five people, people chewed up in the surf. In one week. Tell them about the swimmers. 
A shark is attracted to the exact kind of splashing and activity that occurs whenever human beings go in swimming. You cannot avoid it. If you open the beaches on the 4th of July, it's like ringing the dinner bell, for Christ's sake. Mr. Vaughn, Mr. Vaughn, I pulled a tooth the size of a shot glass out of the rectal of a boat out there, and it was the tooth of a great white. It was Ben Gardner's boat. It was all chewed up. I helped tow it in. You, sh you should have seen him. Where, where is that tooth? Did you see it, Broden? No, I didn't see it. He, he dropped it. Get I it. had an accident. Way in. And what did you say the name of this shark is? It's a carcaridin carcarius. It's a great white. But you, you don't have the tooth. Look, we depend on the summer people here for our very lives. You are not going and to have to close those beaches. We're, finished. we're not only going to have to close the beach, we're going to have to hire somebody to kill the shark. I mean, we're going to have to tell the Coast Guard. Mr. Vaughn, you have, have to contact the shark we're research We're going to have to put extra on because you have to the world is going to come in here. I don't even want to one of you are familiar with our problems. I think that I am familiar with the fact that you are going to ignore this particular problem until it swims up and bites you on the ass. Now, wait a second, wait a second. There are two ways to deal with this problem. You're either going to kill this animal or you're going to cut off its food supply. Larry, we have to close the beaches. Brody, sick vandalism. That is a deliberate mutilation of a public service message. Now, I want those little paint-happy bastards caught and hung up by their Buster Browns. That's it. Goodbye. I'm not going to waste my time arguing with a man who's lining up to be a hot lunch. I'm going to see you later. Please don't do this. He's not... Mr. Vaughn... What we are dealing with here is a perfect engine, uh, an eating machine. It's really a miracle of evolution. All this machine does is swim and eat and make little sharks. And that's all. Now, why don't you take a long, close look at this sign? Those proportions are correct. Love to prove that, wouldn't you? Get your name into the National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, Larry, if we make an effort today, oh, we might damn. be able to save August. August? <laughs> for Christ's sake, tomorrow's the 4th of July, and we will be open for business. It's going to be one of the best summers we've ever had. Now, if you fellas are concerned about the beaches, you do whatever you have to to make them safe. But those beaches will be open for this weekend. <laughs>
Yes, we just got done watching Jaws. Um, in case you have never seen this movie or didn't watch it with us, shame on you. Um, but just in case you haven't seen this movie, basically what happens is this giant 25-foot man-eating shark monster <laughs> uh, shows up the coast of this little island town, um, Amity Island, just starts chomping on people, um, inter- interfering with their summer tourism season and eventually the chief of police who is from new york uh, and having his first summer here and is afraid of the water him and an oceanographer who's a shark expert and then like a shark hunter all have to go out and hunt the thing down and eventually kill it but not after several people die (laughs) um yeah um I mean, there's a lot more to the movie than that, but that's basically what happens. Um, as always, we start with initial thoughts. Cass, since you're the newbie, we'll start with you. Initial thoughts coming on um, off of Jaws. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not ever going in the ocean ever again. <laughs> not that that was really like in question, but, but um, for sure, not ever again. <laughs> um, on boats, great. Uh, in the water, not so much. Mm. Um. What, was there a part? The part I saw you shaking your head at was when he was going in the shark cage. Was that like oh, the most absolutely stressful? Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. I've seen other people like do that on social media, and I have friends who want to do it. And no, anything underneath the water, absolutely not. Mm. Nope. Nope. And especially not with sharks around, and especially not with a giant man-eating shark. No, thank you. Um, you, you know, there's a there's a shark cage video out there. Of, like a situation going wrong pretty much just like that in the movie. Not, not as big of a shark, but it's like it gets in the cage and it goes at, like, tries to bite the people inside. Yeah, that's, really scary. that's what that scene was, though. That scene where they caught the, sh- the total accident. They were putting a a little person in a, in a smaller cage uh, against a regular-sized great white just to kind of, like, give it scale. But just as they were about to put him in the cage a great white showed up and got tangled up and there's like film it. But then like the little person who was supposed to go in there, he's like, no, (laughs) I'm not going. I think he got injured too. Like, cause it it rocked the whole boat and he got slapped by like one of the fins or whatever. He's like, I'm not going in now. That's probably a good life choice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all actual footage. Um, what do you think? Um, you know, this is 1975 and now we're in 2023. Does this movie, still still hold up for you i mean that's someone coming and watching it new i mean yeah it was still like pretty scary um we had the one little jump scare moment that it got me both me and aaron so um (laughs) (laughs) that was still relevant um the effects were still really good and i it didn't feel like a movie that was made in the 70s 75 yeah it didn't feel that old um i think it's still very relevant Mm. uh today you know, I was looking at some of the fashion of this movie, just like, does some of that, I remember at one point watching this, like this fashion is, is so dated. I'm watching it now. I'm like, granted that anchor jacket, the jacket. Is, is terrible, <laughs> but I'm like, some of the fashion is like, nah, you know, it's pretty fashionable actually. So I wonder if we're coming back around to. It's seven, all thrifted now. Yeah. All the, all the thrifty <laughs> stuff. All right. Still holds up for a newbie in 2023. Um, Tanner, what about you coming after like a decade of watching this? Uh, I really liked it. I was surprised. I, I know this is a, 
it's not Spielberg's first movie, but his first big one. And for me watching this, I could definitely see, I guess, why. I was, yeah, struck by, yeah, the pacing and like the editing and just all the direction. It all is, it's very, I don't know how to say, because like, it feels like I'm just watching kind of just people just do normal stuff, but I'm like totally enraptured the entire time they're, they're, they're doing it. it uh, it's, it was very, it uh, popped out a lot to me with the, with, with how he directed it all. Um, um, kind of, yeah, at the last 15 minutes, I was like, okay, I, I remember this being spread out over a bigger period of time, but watching it now, it's just like 15 minutes, it all just happens. So, um, but everything before that, I was just like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, this is awesome. There's a reason why this movie is so so famous, mm. so big. Yeah, you know, I I love this movie, but I haven't seen it in a while. Um, one thing, like when you're saying like all like just people going about this, like especially the beginning stuff, all on the island, like the first half of the movie. Just like the scenes with just like all the locals, just kind of t- there's like all this like chatter, chatter, blah blah blah, and like you can't quite catch every little, but you are glean. All of that really works for me. Yeah, for me too. And I say I felt it all feels very natural how the dialogue and like how people are acting. It's like, yeah, you don't catch everything, but it just makes everything just somehow come alive. Mm. Even though it's just yeah, people talking about closing the beach. R- right. But you're really into it. I think what really helps is that you know, they shot this on on location on at Martha's Vineyard. Um, and a lot of the people in the movie are locals. They went out of their way to like, let's just cast a whole bunch of locals to give it that local flavor. And like, I think that really shows the movie has a lot of person, like people character that would be, so, I feel like there's so much, like there's like, like the Meg movies, Piranha 3d, but these just feel like stock, whatever kind of films. If you watch them, this feels so there's so much character in this film. Um, I agree. Um, um, the big question, Tanner, is this better than the Jaws sequels? <laughs> I'm going to have to not think about it because the answer is this is leagues ahead. <laughs> 20,000 leagues. 20,000 leagues <laughs> over the other Jaws movies. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Hot take. <laughs> Believe it or not, Jaws 4 is, Jaws the Revenge is not the best Jaws movie. Not the best one. Um... Toby, um, you're coming off this movie of a much longer period, actually being in a boat while watching it. <laughs> what is it like now coming and watching it now all these years later? Yeah, it was, I agree. I, I really liked the pacing. I think when I was younger, um, I don't know, there were certain elements of it that I didn't really I, I care for, I guess. But um, yeah, the dialogue feels like unusually natural for a movie from the 70s, which I was um, pleased by, I guess. Um, yeah, it, it, I, don't, I don't know. I think everyone's kind of touched on it. It did feel a lot more natural than I expected. Um, so I like that. Mm. Yeah, it, it, if you watch a lot of summer blockbusters now, it almost feels like, especially if you watch... What the hell was that? Oh, dear. Like a transformer just blew or something? That's what it sounds like. But I still have power here. You ran on battery? Oh, yeah. Thank God! Thank God for battery. <laughs> Jesus. <I'm> curious. 
Jaws? Let me just check the power box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, no! Um, oh, no. Well, thank God that it happened while we were watching the movie. That would have sucked. Um, but I think we should be good. Thank God. I was like, how do we lose power when we're still good? Um, what were we talking about? Um, oh, if you watch a lot. Yes, we're talking about Jaws. I was thinking about like the Marvel movies and they feel like by contrast so like quippy, mm-hmm. which is like fun. But I'm like, no one actually acts or speak no one like, talks like that yeah yeah and it almost feels like some are like the blockbusters now not all of them but a lot have this kind of an artif- like artificial or superficial quality not all of them of course some you know do it well but watching this i'm like i don't think if they made jaws today it would turn out like this i think it'd be a very it, meg 2 <laughs> is basically how jaws t- turns out in 2023 um, Aaron, I also haven't seen this movie in a long while. Yeah. Um, I tried to pay attention to all the Spielbergisms, and I really noticed in the beginning, uh, he, fo- he was focused so much on lighting mm. and like how it hit the water and, and, uh, I got lost eventually like at 15 minutes in just like into the movie as I always do, because I think that's the magic of Spielberg is. It's also flawless, like every shot, every he he thinks about everything, and like makes it so easy to watch and pay attention to, and so natural. Like you were saying, that it, it's like it's hard to think critically about his movies. Just mm. gets um, so swept up, yeah, in it. Just like the visceral experience of the film. Mm-hmm. And there's always a moment, though, in most horror movies where the shark jumps out of the water and lands on the boat and eats it? itself on the boat. <laughs> 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 yeah. at that point it's like what were you scared of in the first place <laughs> honestly the, the, the barrels were way thing. more menacing than the actual uh, shark the scariest bear movie of all time yeah, yeah. <laughs> scariest like, I, don't, I don't think time. i ever want to be near a barrel ever again but they had the happiest music in the whole time <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's it yeah, um so you know this movie was almost more famous in the movie itself as the behind the scenes. Like this is like one of the most troubled film shoots like in Hollywood history. Um, I do believe this film actually started um, the whole like behind the scenes industry where you watch like behind the scenes making of like basically Jaws started that because people got so into like the behind the scenes, like they made, they wrote a book about it. There's a Broadway play right now called the shark is broken. That is about literally the behind the scenes of the movie. And it's like the set is just the orca set. And like, there's just the actors playing the actors as they're just dealing with all the shit they got to deal with. Um, But one thing about it was they had three uh, of like full sized model sharks. There was one they would, one from you could see from the top that they would just they call it the sled shark where they would like pull it along for like the above the water shots and then they had one that could go from like right to left but then you like the back half was completely open and then they had another that would do like the opposite direction and that that side was and that's what they had and for most of the movie none of it worked like um i think that you see like richard dreyfus constantly telling stories of like how they would they would have walkies on the island and walkies on the boat and there was this constant 
the shark is not working. I repeat, the shark is not working. Uh, repeat, the shark is not working. Um, and so a lot of why you don't actually see the shark in the film, the shark was supposed to be basically from the beginning attacking the, the, the swimmer throughout the whole movie. You were supposed to see the shark and they realized it's like, it's not working. We have to figure. So they had to essentially shoot around the shark and imply the shark. I, and I feel like that's actually what saves the whole movie is the fact that you don't see it for most of the film. Yeah. That is way scarier than seeing the actual shark. Cause that shot where it flops onto the boat is where I lost it. I was like, well, that's just comical. <laughs> that's just funny. And yeah. I think we were all laughing. Like as soon as the shark was out of the water and you could see it, it was just over. But just the thought of a great white in the water that you can't see is the thing that's really scary about this movie. So I think you're right. I think that's kind of what saved the whole story, whole movie. Yeah, I think just seeing this, because they mostly, you'll mostly see the shark at the very end. And especially now, I think that's when you lose your suspension of disbelief a bit. I think it still works because up to that point, you just know there is the shark that's been doing this that you can still like, okay, I, I can still believe that this is the shark doing it. But if it was any more, I don't know if it would have worked. Um, yeah, blessings in disguise. Um, yeah, and Aaron, that was one thing I was looking at too was like the shots. I don't think I'd ever paid attention to like some of the shot framing. There were some really interesting. He was doing some good work in there. Yeah. Um, he always does. But I mean, there, come on. Like the sun hitting the water in so many different shots. It was like this time of day, this time of day. I've captured this perfect moment in time. Like, mm-hmm. masterpiece. There was a shot that was like Quint just kind of just sitting there, just kind of looking just off camera just for a while. That was a really cool shot. And one of my favorite sequences is when Brody's on the beach and like he's watching the water and then like someone passes in front of the camera and then it's like water and then the camera and someone walks in front and then it's him again. That whole sequence I thought was re- – it almost feels like it's just one shot even though you can tell they're fake faking it. But – um yeah, I was going to say watching this, I think one of the reasons why the pacing and stuff works so well is like in between each like uh, cut, there is a the sense of continuity I haven't really seen in a lot of movies. It's like there could be like little pieces of like information or things you saw like the helicopter flying by and then you see it off in the distance. It's like, yeah, that's kind of like, you know, you're trying to do that, but not to this extent when I was watching it. There is a sense of continuity through a good chunk of this movie that I think really helped with the pacing that I, I was also really paying, uh, kind of popped out to me when I was watching yeah. with the, yeah, the, yeah. And even how he frames the shots from mm-hmm. scene to scene, it's, yeah, it was, yeah, that really stood out to me too. You're really effective. Even with the continuity, it's like they set up the, the air tank and the shark when he's looking at that picture book. Well, I was watching was- that picture of the, that they set it up right there. It, it almost seemed comical how obvious the foreshadowing was. I mean, because I had seen it. I knew that's how he blew it up, but I did not remember any of that. So watching, I was just like, oh, this is like, how else is he going to do it? It, it is. It, you guys keep keeping your shots on these air tanks. So, yeah, like at one point where like the the latch breaks and like the air tanks are slipping, he goes to put them back. Like there's a couple things that ri- and then like it all pays off at the end. There's lots of little bits like that throughout the entire film. Um, I always like watching this movie. This is probably one of my favorite movies. It just feels like such a pure popcorn 
like when I, when someone says like a popcorn movie experience, I'm like, this is one that comes to mind. I'm like, yeah, it's mostly just about this shark they have to deal with, but there's so much character and you're so invested in it. And it's like, and there are some like kind of deeper character thematic messages, but it's mostly they're playing it just for what's going on. But, um, a lot now nowadays feels like giant purple guy is going to get orb to destroy universe and people have to stop him. And, you know, I just love how this just feels so grounded for how it's, it's such a fantastic movie. It's, it's not a real shark. It's like a monster. It still feels so grounded and you mostly believe everything that's happening. Um, it almost feels like, um, Alfred Hitchcock movie with how he frames it, you know, almost like watching Psycho or something. I was just going to say that. Yeah. Psycho. Mm-hmm. The kind of just the slow. I mean, a Psycho has the, also the iconic. Yep. Ree, yep. Ree, ree, ree. Um, yeah, this is always a favorite of mine. And every time I watch it, I'm like, ah, I love this film. Um, so first question I have as we're coming off this movie, you know, this was, this was a phenomenon like when it came out with like lines going around the block. Um, and that was actually intentional. Like the president of universal, like they were going to put it in 900 theaters. He was like, make it, make it half that. They're like, why? He's like, it's going to create demand. It's going to make, make it something people like have to see. And it's hard to get to see. And so it created this, literally the, the term blockbuster comes from it. Cause it's just the lines going around the block for this, for this movie. Um, so, you know, we're looking at this film in 2023. What do we think? What is it about this movie that has this kind of like, I don't know, trend? It's this, it was this phenomenon. What is, what, what do we think about watching this movie in 1975 would make it such a like, oh my God, you have to go see this movie. What do we think? Uh, I'm for me, while watching, I think it kind of goes back to what we kind of have all said um, and kind of going back to what I said, what I think a blockbuster kind of what it requires to, to work um, with how natural and organic and grounded he makes the movie feel. It really, I think, elevates the feeling of, you know, you know and with, the, you know, the, the shark not working so you know you never see it but it's always at the back of your mind but what you're watching play out is just feels so natural i think it elevates this experience this feeling of i guess yeah terror the shark could pop up whenever you know you never know this the show goes on this roller coaster of you know you know shit the shark showed up we're in trouble and then yeah next thing you know he got barrels flying around this happy music and stuff you know but then suddenly you're back to to terror it's going on this roller coaster so you never know when the shark is going to show up and everything just feels so grounded it elevates that feeling of terror and so since it i think focuses so well on that feeling i think and and the direction he directs it so well i think for me is why that kind of became such a phenomenon and why it kind of started the blockbuster thing um because it really kind of focused in on that that kind of terror aspect mm. but but in, in a grand sense not something like alien where you're just looking at like existential terror and you know this is just kind of more very primal yeah i almost, almost want to say day to day to day terror almost mm. 
and I, I think that that's what makes it work really well. Mm. So, yeah, and it really yeah, focuses on the the day to day aspect more terror rather than this this existential thing, which terrifies me. You know, but I can't really relate to. Where something like this, I'm just like, oh, right. this is like it's not Superman having to fight some cosmic being from you know space. It's like. It's like, you know, sharks are real. The ocean is real. It's like, I could be at the ocean, you know, next year for all I know. It's like, I, yeah, so. I think they hit something very basic is like, they make you care about the characters at a certain level. Yeah, I, I think like, I noticed that, the, you know, the, like the, the scene, like the mom shows up with her kid, you know, it's like at, at that point, there wasn't really a whole lot of emotional, I guess, like there was emotional investment with like Brody and whatnot, but like we hadn't really like had like the emotional connection with like the, the, uh, the effects of the shark being around at that point, because there was all, all politics and you know closing the beach, whatnot, and this mom shows up and it's just like music goes silent, everyone goes silent, and she's just like, "Yeah, my son died, and you knew, you knew. the entire time." And then and so it kind of yeah that kind of bridges that that emotional connection. It's just like yeah, this is something that is happening, you know, that could happen in the real world. Now we know you know shark attacks you know don't really right <laughs> yeah. But the fear of but, but But yeah, it makes it all feel like, oh, this is, yeah, this is something that's actually happening. And yeah. Totally. I feel like they they do a good job of, of establishing the world. Like the opening scene where they're just having coffee or whatever and the kid comes in and has a cut on his hand. And, you know, like little things like that to uh, make you invest in the people and, and the island. And then like the the plot with closing the beach and how frustrating the mayor is being about cooperating with the situation and things. It like it frustrates you and it makes you uh more terrified about the shark when when it does come out and like things happen to these people because you kinda care about them at that point, right? Mm. I mean one thing I would like uh like when they were setting up Brody, you know, he's just like this they do lots to like he's waking up and really quick they established that you know he's not from here when he's like she's like oh you're saying it wrong he's like uh the hottest pot or whatever you know how do i sound like you're from new york you know and it's like we got to close the beaches and it's like put the, the signs like there are no signs and just like the the shots of him like dealing with the neighbors as he's going to the hardware store and he's just like picking up stuff for the signs like little moments like that really make you like invested in like this guy that old man that's bugging him throughout the day <laughs> uh, uh, one thing that kind of popped out to me i don't know why it, why i caught anything but it was when yeah brody and he's talking with his wife and it's like you want to take the kids home he's like oh do you want to take the kids to new york and there is this like a half second of where they're just looking at each other and to me just speaks volumes about the possibilities of how they ended up here it's just like i feel like there you could suddenly unpack it's like was this something that like they're like, what's worse? Well, right. well like, it's just, just like, what, is this something like that like, he wanted or she wanted or like all this stuff? It, it, it just ma- it made it to me feel very natural that it's just this one little moment. And then I feel like, oh, there is unspoken, a ton of unspoken stuff here, you know, that I'm not getting, you know, eyes on. It's not important, but it really fleshes it out. Yeah, lots of little details to us you know snatch on to like a living yeah. breathing place they living in and you hope like that he survives the shark attack mm-hmm. so he can go back and they can right they can speak those unspoken things right yeah 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 every time i'm at the end where it's just brody on the on the boat and like you get that little bit of the 
he's getting the gun and he's climbing the thing and they're do do do. There's probably just like, yo, dude, just fucking kill that fucking thing. And you're just so on his side. You just want him to like take care of this fucking thing. And they really do a good job of making you really invested in him and trying to de- defeat this thing. Um, what do you think, Toby? What do you think? You know, what about this is going to make this movie, you know, this thing that people are going to and talking about or a phenomenon? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I still want to hang on to that. Just the score is, is just mm-hmm. iconic. And mm-hmm. I just, yeah, we were, we were just kind of talking throughout the whole thing, how cool it would be to see this live, you know, with a live orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I think, um, the capacity we are to, we have to latch on to these characters and, um, become emotionally invested in like their families and their town and how frustrated we are at the mayor and his incompetence and fashion choices and um (laughs) uh yeah I don't know it's just it's just all so so fun um yeah I, I don't know it's it's fun I agree I think the score does do a lot also it's so I think Spielberg himself has said like this movie would be half as successful if that score wasn't there Especially when the shark isn't physically there. That's, but mm-hmm. that's what the shark is, is the. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it, it's such a basic, it's almost comical now because it's just pop up in any little, there's so many spoofs, so many things. Ding, 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 ding. But when you're watching it, I, it still feels really effective. Um, like when that, when it pulls the pier off. And you're kind of hearing it like going away and it's like, oh, it's gone. And then boom, 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 it starts getting around. loud and oh it's coming God. back. You're like, no, swim, Charlie, swim, Charlie, don't look back. Yeah. You know, this movie, it wasn't nominated for a lot of Oscars. It was actually very controversial at the time. Like a lot of people thought Spielberg got snubbed that he didn't get nominated for this film. Um, but John Williams did win for the score. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, put him it, on the map for sure absolutely put him on the map it's hard to imagine that might be the most if there's one thing this movie could not have the score almost feels like yeah it has to have that score um i mean this also paved the way for stuff like star wars and you know oh boy raiders of the lost ark in terms of those big scores that now just feel so commonplace you know the big sweeping a lot of old old movies if you go back and watch not all of them had these big huge scores it was pretty no they had like loose themes but john williams took that next level and he made the themes like their own characters yeah right yeah the music itself feels like a character Mm -hmm. in the movie that you're kind of like oh um yeah it's these very accessible i guess motifs that mm -hmm. you know then when you are in a job like ours and you have you know, access to a lot of classical music, you start noticing, oh, hey, this kind of sounds like John Williams. And then you learn, oh, hey, John Williams actually took the so, Jaws theme from these several D- little Dvorak's pieces. Dvorak's New World. Dvorak's <laughs> New World. ABC's La Mer. There's lots of, I don't know, little fun things like that. Even like the non like shark theme music, like there's a couple things that strike me, like when they get the barrel on it for the first time, dun, 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 dun. it's mm-hmm. that very like triumphant, 
Um, and then the the ditty when like all the tourists are coming on the boats yeah, and it's you got those like fun. French horns, <laughs> just that kind of bustle bustle. Um, that's all very classical stuff. You can tell he's pulling. I mean, the, uh, we know because it's like <laughs> we listen to classical music all the time at work. But yeah, very kind of classic themes and uh, motifs he's drawing on. Yeah, very effectively great. too. And like you said, you know it put him on the map and then he's able to, you know, write scores for Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars. And then you see even more influence and it's just, it's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. I think he said this was like the first thing he ever did that he got really excited about scoring. He was like, mm. Oh, and I think when he showed Spielberg, here's the shark theme. Da, da, yeah, he thought da, it was da. a joke. Huh? Spielberg thought it was a joke. He's like, okay, but what is it actually? He's like, no, that's it. <laughs> and it, it took us some convincing, but then when Spielberg really saw, he's like, Oh yeah. Because it's primal. It's so simple, but you used this word primal earlier. That's exactly what it is. You know, it's it's this this heartbeat or this, like, accelerating, like, breathing. Like, we're, like, anticipating, okay, what's going to happen? Holy shit. Mm. And, like, that's – it's so simple and so, you know, meaningful. Yeah, there's lots of – it's fun to see some of, like, the um, um, critiques or um, interpretations I've seen from critics as to, like, what the music – is and like some people have said like like you said it's like some people say that dump bum is human breathing uh is what he and then like especially when the shark's getting closer to, <sighs> <laughs> uh, and then some people said it's like it's the it's the heartbeat mm -hmm. of the shark just this relentless it's almost like a force of nature you can't reason it's just this thing yeah that's coming after mm, 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 mm. and there's it's like just, a machine almost a machine yeah um and they use that a few times it's like this is like a perfect evolutionary eating machine, you know. Good <laughs> yeah. um, All it does, yeah, the dry, yeah. Eats and swims and makes baby sharks. That's yeah, it. yeah. Um, that's it. They're all gonna die. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Cass? What do you think about this? Uh, I mean, you're coming at it pretty fresh. Uh, but I guess you can kind of relate to like someone in 1975 seeing it for the first time and just being like, oh, I don't. What do you think it, um, about this? Kind of makes it that kind of phenomenon. Uh, I'm going to go back to what I think we've all kind of been saying is that it feels very natural. Um, yeah. It was very easy to watch. Uh, I have a pretty short attention span for movies, especially when they don't have like some kind of crazy action happening like every 10 seconds. Yeah. Um, and this didn't have crazy action every 10 seconds, but it's still very easy to watch. It was like watching a TV show or just watching people go about their lives. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was really appealing. And the other thing I really appreciated about it was kind of the simplicity of it. I feel like a lot of modern movies have kind of ulterior motives or like some kind of statement that they're trying to make. And this one didn't really. It was like, hey, there's a shark that's attacking people. And that was the story. Um, and that also made it very easy to watch and to appreciate. Um, and to appreciate all of the the artistry about it. The, the shots that we were talking about, the score, all of that made it very easy to digest it when this story was relatively simple. Mm. Um, yeah, I believe in the... I haven't read the original novel um but there are there's a lot they cut from the novel um there was some more um political messaging in the novel about some of the and they 
very lightly touch upon it with just like the mayor who's insistent about being open for business and like our, our whole community. So there's a, there's a lot more political stuff in the book. Um, there is the, the most notable thing they cut is, um, uh, Hooper, the, the, uh, the Dreyfus character, he has uh, an affair with Ellen uh, Brody's wife. That's like a whole big subplot in the film. And Spielberg, though, cut all of that stuff out. He's like, "Let's." I want it to be just about the shark. Um, and it, it, they really hone in on it. Do, do you guys think that really probably makes it pop better um, than it otherwise would? It does, but it also leaves Dreyfus feeling a little bit superfluous mm. to the rest of the story. He kind of feels like this rich guy that likes sharks. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have the emotional investment that Brody has, you know what I mean? Or that the captain has mm. uh, when they go out on the boat. Not at the, not at that level. Mm. Um, but he, that character, he delivers a fine performance. I think he's, he's funny. He's aggravating. He is that rich college boy. Mm. He's all of those things. I think across the board, the acting is all really good. I don't think anyone turns in a a weak performance. Like the three leads are all really good. Brody's wife, Ellen, is really good. Like the scene you brought up with the mom, like that scene is you're like, oh, you be, you you believe it when she's all feeling it all, and um, yeah, it'd be it'd be easy just to turn in a very stock performance for a film like this, but you can tell they all really sink their jaws into the material for <laughs> pun, pun intended. Boo! Boo. Get off the <laughs> tell a joke. Um, but you know, you bringing up that kind of thing with um, like Hooper's character. It's almost like because in the end, the the movie basically, as far as I can tell the movie at the beginning is essentially setting up the situation and then setting up the three characters that are, are, and then pushing them onto the boat for like the, the last big part of the film. And they almost kind of feel like three, I don't want to say caricatures, but uh, let me know if you, what you, what you guys think, if it feels like this to you, but like, cause it is very natural, but then there's almost like this mythic, like, Brody feels very much like the everyman character, like not so generic, but that's what he feels like to me. And he's like the the fearful one. He hates the water. And, um, and then, um, Hooper is like, he loves sharks and he's like the curious one. He's more curious about the shark more than he is about like, we have to save the town. We have to, and then there's Quint who is captain Ahab. <laughs> he's so archetypal he's the most archetypal out of all of them he definitely is um Just and i don't the way that he shows up the way he's introduced he's like i'll kill the shark for you he, like the nails on the chalkboard right. <laughs> <laughs> this shark swallow you whole for ten thousand i'll give you the head he was missing a wooden leg like that, <laughs> that was it, it been complete i mean i love that part where hooper's up there just like garby <laughs> <laughs> Um, that little rivalry they have between them. Um, I guess actually behind the scenes, there was a lot of tension between those two. Like um, Robert Shaw, who played Quint, was constantly giving Dreyfus a bunch of shit. And Dreyfus said it was really hard. It almost felt like he was being bullied throughout the whole film by him. 
Um, they played not, that out well. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it shows up on the, on the screen really well, I guess. And then Robert Shaw actually died not too long after the film. Just He only lived a few, few more years after it came out. So, um, yeah, they're all really good. Um, when, you know, what, um, as, as when we're comparing something like this to nowadays, like the modern day summer blockbuster, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, what do we, what, what's in here that you're like, I don't know, like the gen, like that you still see in blockbusters and maybe what's, what is something we don't necessarily always see in the modern summer blockbuster? What do you guys think? Um, I think there are a couple of things and I'm going to hit on points that both you Cass and Toby hit. Um, since you guys brought them up um, because yeah, one of the things, you know, this movie is, it is fun. Um, it's a fun movie, even when they're not, you know, out hunting the shark and, you know, you have the, the fun music and the barrels all going. I was like, even when they're just sitting down and uh, Hooper is talking to, to Brody over the table and they're pouring wine and stuff. He's like, they're just having a conversation, but it's still fun because, you know, you have the jokes with, you know, pouring all the wine you know, and the dialogue with, all three of them and stuff it's all very fun to watch and blockbusters are always fun you know because that's kind of what they're going for is trying to you know kind of a sense of a fun always is kind of always present i think um and to the to your point um how it kind of it's just a movie about a you know hunting a shark essentially there's no ulterior motives this is something darren can attest to this something i i've started really kind of thinking about in terms of what i enjoy is that media that is very sincere in what it is trying to do. Mm. In this sense, it is, it, it, it is just a movie about a shark, uh, trying to find a shark, you know. There, but there isn't any ulterior motive. It's like this is going to be a fun movie that's going to scare you, and it's about, you know, these guys trying to hunt a shark, and that's what it's going to be about. And that's, you know, there's obviously more going on, but that is the intent, you know, what that's all there is, you know. So, um that said watching this i would be if you told I, like someone didn't know this was like the first blockbuster big blockbuster i feel like a lot of people nowadays would be surprised if you told them that and after watching it it's like really this because you know if you compare this to like infinity war or endgame it's just like this is not these are completely separate movies but i think what ties them together is that sense of fun and you know the sincerity and what they're trying to do it's very simple um, and they just execute it really well. Um, and then, yeah, if you're trying to do more, it's just kind of, okay, maybe you want to scare them. Maybe we just want to have a, you know, action-y trying to, you know, get your, you know, heart heart uh, pumping, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's very simple stuff that they're trying to do. Um, yeah, but then you have, you know, nowadays you have, you know, say something like Endgame and Infinity War. It's just like... It feels like they're trying to do too much, mm. way too much, and and kind of comparing those two movies actually, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, I've also brought this up with you. Kind of, I enjoy Infinity War way more than I do Endgame because I feel like what they're trying to do is way more simple. There's just in sense of impending doom that is constantly escalating. This is like essentially it's like Thanos is coming. That is the movie. While Endgame is trying to do way more, it's like hey, we gotta solve, we gotta wrap up this plot, we gotta wrap up this plot, we gotta wrap up this phase, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. While you know Infinity War, while that works for me, it's, it's much more simple in what they're trying to do. There's a shit ton happening, but what they're trying to do is way more simple. 
So I think that is that's kind of the DNA that kind of connects over things with over time with the blockbusters. It, it's kind of a if you can get that fun, simple concept you're trying to to do. It's like okay, like Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's just like it's Indiana Jones chasing after the Ark of the Covenant. That's the movie. That's the movie. <laughs> Make it fun. Yeah, and it's just, it's just it's just a fun the entire time, you know. You know, it's, you know, Jurassic Park is like, oh, we made a park that has dinosaurs. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Jurassic Park. It's all so, fun. yeah, I think that's kind of the DNA that, uh, obviously, like I said, a lot has changed. I, I, I think people would be hard-pressed to see, like, oh, this is where it started. But if you actually look at it, I think you, it, it's clear why this is the, kind of the first one and how that's kind of remained over time. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, I don't know, this idea of, delayed versus instant gratification and kind of how that shift just over time has been made in 1975 you know these uh, movie watchers you know they expected things to be simple and I think you brought up these ideas of you know these Marvel movies made for people in this generation who have access to media so instantly and they expect everything to happen they need to be impressed every you know five seconds and um, I just, I, I guess just because of, you know, the way that we're consuming media and how that's shifted over the past few generations. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's really what made this movie a hit and what's, what makes it fun for us to watch it now mm-hmm. is it's kind of, you know, a relief. You watch it, you say, yeah, this is, this is simple and accessible, easy to digest. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. There's, they're not trying to do too much. Like you said, it's a slow burn. You do have yeah. that, the bit of action in the beginning when the girl dies and then but then the next morning on when the chief wakes up to the phone call it's it's a very slow burn yeah mm-hmm. that's great yeah it's interesting you know you used the the word simple a few times um i think it would be easy to miscategorize simple as uh, st- stupid's not the right word um because basic basic lowbrow right and i wouldn't want every movie just to be some simple it's just this you know um this works because there's lots of different kinds of movies out there um but um uh i you know and 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 it got me thinking about when you know um thinking about our recent like blockbuster phenomenon we had this year with barbenheimer um and this isn't this is not at all really like um critiquing or being critical of these films it's just interesting for me to think about they're very different um whereas barbie like barbie is it's not just a barbie movie it's also this like deconstruction of of Barbie and feminism and society. And there's just lots it's tackling in that film. It's not just about Barbie. And then Oppenheimer is this three hour biopic about the guy who built the bomb. And it's mostly just a couple of guys in suits and rooms talking for three hours, but very stylized and getting into some really, you know, you know, existential political themes. And then this is just a, a movie about, you know this shark attacking this community and these people a having a fish <laughs> uh, a fish a, a fish story um uh it's just but i think what works in all three of them and you brought this up um uh 
and particularly in Jaws, which is why I think it'll stand the time is the authenticity. Like it, it feels very genuine and like you can tell, like they, they want, you can feel the, the, the storytellers, like we want to share this story and this experience with you. And it just really comes out like that. And like you said, it doesn't feel like they're trying to be sneaky or there's no like message they're trying to sneak in there. And not to say that you can't do that, of course, not at all. Um, I think it's that authenticity. Like it's very true to what it is in itself. And that really works. Um, And I think even the ones that work nowadays, um, I think Barbie works because in in its own way, it's authentic. That movie could have, you know, I guess it's this deconstruction piece on all. And that movie could have totally missed the mark so easily, but it didn't because it had this, it's also like, it's Barbie. Like, don't take it too seriously. Like, just have fun with Barbie. Um, And Oppenheimer was just like, we want to show, like, just this person and what this, what it might have been like for, what would it have been like to be the guy who builds the bomb, you know? And whereas maybe some other movies, um, like The Flash, by comparison, has well, anybody in here seen the flash? No, not I, yet. <laughs> I, I've seen lots of stuff on it though, and it's like we got to bring in, we got to bring in Michael Keaton's Batman. We got to get him in there. It feels like a movie that's kind of written backwards. We got to get Michael Keaton Batman in there, and we got to get I don't know like Ben Affleck Batman in there, and then we got to get like two flashes, and then it's got to like set up a new DC universe thing. And it's just like, Jesus and Christ, the whole entire problem with the DC cinematic universe. And I'm going to say it on this little podcast yep. that we have about star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> Where we're talking about Jaws. <laughs> we're talking about Jaws. <laughs> this is it. Is there's take, they're trying to take all the street cred that Marvel developed over the last 15 years of making movies. Like they, they went in with one DC movie of, of Batman versus Superman and tried to cover like 10 years of backstory and history in one two-hour film. Never going to work. And they've been trying to do that again and again ever since. Like if we just bring in Aquaman and Wonder Woman and The Flash and Batman and then Michael Keaton's Batman and Ben Affleck's Batman, (laughs) the fans are going to love it. And they don't. The fans don't love it at all. You know why? It's because it's insincere. Marvel put the time in. Say what you will, but they put the time in to build it all up. And DC's just like, no, we're just going to take the shortcut. Here Mm -hmm. we go. Also, you know, you know, I I didn't see this movie e- either, but like El- Pixar's Elemental didn't do well. But if you if you kind of look at that movie, it, it seems like they've gotten to a point where they're just kind of like they're so formulaic now. It's like this is a world where there's like water people and wind people, and what happens when a fire person falls in love with a water person? You get Elemental, and it's like okay, Pixar. Like I'm sure. Why not? Or like the last Indiana Jones, it's like, what if Indy, but old? <laughs> and people instead okay, of but what else? What that's, if, that, that's it. Oh, oh, that's there's a whole it. Conan bit that nails it. He's like, okay, so the last Indy movie is going to be you. You're 80 years old, and people are just running out and then bringing you stuff. I'm like, is this good? <laughs> is that a thing? Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Right. Collector of the lost artifacts. Well, that's going to go for a pretty penny. Um, they just there's this kind of like they all seem to I don't know be created on a meta level where it's like we know people love this so what else can well it's now this 
And that's, I think, why this still works. It's like, and why the sequels don't work. Because then it's like, it's Jaws again. And then it's the worst thing you've <laughs> ever seen. Um, so note to Hollywood, just be authentic in your in your movie making. Jesus Christ. I also want yeah, to add on, this is like, a lot of times these days, there's this expectation that storytelling, whether it be like books or TV shows or movies, just like has to have like a, like a message that it has to deliver. It's like, you don't have to have that. I mean, I mean yes, storytelling, as its foundation is a way to communicate and express something, but it doesn't have to be like this, like message or you know anything. It can be a feeling. It can be fun. If if that's what you want to get across, that's all you need. You, you, the goal can literally be: I want to make a bunch of money making this fun monster movie, and as long as you're authentic about that, yeah, you're gonna win. Right. Mm. It's, again, the difference between like the original, say, Exorcist. I think they came out like the year before this. And again, it was like, a, oh my God, what is this movie? And then I don't know if any of you saw the trailer for like the most, the new like um, Exorcist that's coming out. You're just like, okay, sure. Exorcist again. I mean, the preview freaked my <laughs> shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, terrified. Oh, yeah, I did it. Oh, <laughs> never going to see that movie. Nope. Demon, absolutely not. Demon babies. You know, Ooh. I still actually haven't seen The Exorcist. Maybe we should do The Exorcist at some point on. I will not be here. For I that. will not I, be here for that. You can watch I'm that alone in the dark. Um, That'll be a Jaren solo yeah. episode. <laughs> I am watching Exorcist by my. What was that? There's and we lose there's, the power. Uh, all power's out. Something's crawling around. That okay? His te- his head's turning backwards, and he's coming. Yeah. Well, um, I guess on that note, um, I have actually seen The Exorcist once. I'm never. I'm never watching it no, again. No, thank you. In my life, calling it good. Once enough. Once enough. Um, well, on that note, because like when the when this came out, this was the year after Exorcist. Both of these were very. People would talk about them in the same breath. These are the two movies that changed horror: Exorcist, and then the year later, Jaws. Um. Uh, what, Aaron, what do you think, Exorcist or Jaws? What's freakier? Exorcist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jaws. Jaws is freaky. Jaws had some good scary moments. And it's it, different. It, it was like a tense feeling rather than like a full-on like demon uh vomiting <laughs> black bile black, whatever cra- backward crab leg yeah. running yeah. towards you in yeah. dark halls oh my god there's so much scary imagery in that movie that still to this day is so vivid in my brain i watched it when i was like 12 years old mm-hmm. like i can see parts of that movie so clearly it's terrifying mm. i remember as a kid watching like i think it was the exorcism of emily rose and was like mm, lovely I can't sleep ever again. Um, yeah, how, how do you guys think this works as specifically like a horror film? Because I feel like this movie, I don't know, it always feels a little atypical. I mean, it is, but like, it's not the first thing I think of when like horror comes. What do you think, Cass? Like, how do you think this works? Being afraid of the water. I mean, I I don't do horror movies either, um, and this didn't really strike me as like a horror movie. Like it it like Aaron said, built tension. Um, that was uncomfortable, but it wasn't like super scary. I'm not going to go home and have nightmares now. Like I would have nightmares just watching the trailer for the new Exorcist movie. Um, but I like that it built that tension and made you feel kind of scared in the moment, but didn't like leave you horrified. Mm. 
Um, do you think this would be a good like intro to horror or like a maybe not an intro to modern horror because I feel like modern horror is much scarier, mm, much more horrifying. This I can handle, and yeah. I I don't I just don't do horror mm. well. Um, it felt a little bit more lighthearted, like with the music and everything, and then the flopping shark. Um, <laughs> so that made it a little bit. I, I would. I don't know. I don't think I would put it like in a horror modern horror category. I wouldn't categorize it with modern horror movies. So. I mean, a lot of modern horror feels very supernatural or like slasher. Yeah. That's how a lot of it comes across to me. Um, what do you think, Toby? I mean, you had like a horror experience watching this as a kid. <laughs> What's it like watching it now? Like, is it is it different? Do you, are you able to like pretty easily detach yourself? Oh, totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I'd call it more of like a thriller than a, than a horror movie. I think it's a lot more, I mean, less psychologically like scary, I guess. Um, Cause you, you, you see what's happening. You see the effects. I think with like modern horror, like you were saying, there's a lot of like, what if, and we don't know. And it's that sort of apprehension that really, you know, makes or breaks a good horror movie um whereas the accessibility here with jaws is just i think that's what categorizes it differently Mm. but yeah i mean i i can detach myself pretty easily from it um what do you think tanner i like um i know growing up there were like a few movies that would freak us out was this ever one for you or how does this feel like now um, yeah, Toby actually took the words right out of my mouth. I would not classify this as a horror. I would classify this as a thriller. Mm. When you classified it at the start of the, of the before we started, I was just like, should I say something? Um, <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> um, yeah, because yeah, for me, I am also not a horror person. I you know watched Alien, my first R-rated movie, when I was you know however many olds and had nightmares for for weeks, and I was just like, nope, this is not. This is. Not for me, um, but with thrillers, for whatever reason, um, it's always something kind of I've always enjoyed more. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I would describe like the difference between them, because um, like what this one, it's um, yeah, it doesn't leave me with like disturbing imagery or something that's like stuck in my brain. It's just kind of just like this either like low level or mid level kind of tension that just kind of is there the entire movie that i enjoy so 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 this yeah does not yeah this was not really a problem for me growing up part of that i think also may have been the few times it was on before i was old enough the parents may have not let me watch um but yeah i I don't think this yeah would have bothered me if i had watched it younger than than i had um Yeah, for me, this is definitely a thriller, which I enjoy. Yeah, it's very, like, yeah, like, suspense. So much of the movies, that suspense and, like, the anticipation of when it's going to come back. And so that one jump scare, fortunately, <laughs> I did remember that. So when it happened, it was like, okay, I'm good. I think that's when I remember watching for the first time, that's the one that got me the hardest. I was not expecting. <laughs> because if you if you if you're listening... That you can always tell when the shark is actually showing up because the the music actually kicks in. So there's a couple of moments, like the fake out moments, but they're not playing the theme. 
Um, and so I, you know, like he got the tooth. You're like, okay, it doesn't seem like the shark is at, but then when that head came, because you weren't expecting any, oh, that one got me as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if almost, it almost feels like if, if there was a separate category, uh, if there was horror films and then there were like terror films and that's almost what this feels more like. Yeah. This is a terrifying like situation, but like horror, it feels a little different. It's like all oh, the horror of the situation. It's not really w- what it is, but more like just the terror of just you never know when the shark's going to show up. And yeah, yeah it's almost, with thrillers. It's also a bit more encompassing because I can think something something that kind of gives the same feeling, but it's completely also different but the same. Hunt for Red October. Mm. That is a very, I would say, very thrilling movie. That also takes place in the ocean, deep in the ocean, but it's you know the circumstances are completely different because you know you're down in the ocean in you know, submarines, but it's just like. Someone, you know, are, are you know the Russians just outside? It's just like, do I trust this person? They, all, but it still has that level of apprehension and, and terror. It's just like I, I'm uneasy and unsure. But yeah, but there aren't like jump scares and and, and stuff happening. And even that, that's not even a horror or a thriller. That's a that's a Tom Clancy novel. That's like a political, <laughs> I a political, political thriller. thriller. I, 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 I was He's his own thing. <laughs> military political yeah. thriller. I love political thrillers. Oh yeah. So, I want my family back. <laughs> we're back. Oh, uh, we're back, everyone. Speaking of lights, I was going to say one of the one of the main differences for me was actually the lighting in the movie because I feel like a lot of modern horror movies are very dark. And that's part of what makes them so horrifying. And a lot of this movie was in the light. Bright, um, daytime very bright. scenes. Yeah. Um, there were a couple little things in the darkness, but that wasn't when anything horrifying was happening or terrifying was happening. Um, so I feel like that made it a lot less scary. Um, mm. I think if it were made today and it were made with darker lighting, it could be a lot more terrifying of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that almost plays into really just like the day to day, which in the end makes it work. Cause it's like, you can picture, it's so easy to picture yourself. I remember when they're at like the police office and like the secretary and, is the chief in like, like I thought about like being at work. I'm like, just imagine it, it feels like you're just going about your job. And then suddenly just like this, Hey, apparently this thing has happened and then you just kind of have to scramble. It's like, what, what do we do? And it almost thought about like, yeah, what if we are at work and like something like, oh, granted we wouldn't be attacked by a shark, <laughs> but it would have like, yeah, you don't know. there's a phantom of the opera running around and it's like, we got to do something oh, about no, the no. phantom of the opera running around. <laughs> um, I was going to say, this is, this is going to tie into kind of the more Star Trek side, the later end of the film when it's just them on the boat, I was going to say, this feels very Star Trekky in a way sense that it's just like you have these professionals who are just trying to solve a problem with the tools at hand and it's just thing it's just what the thing they're up against is just something a, a bit outside of their scope yeah. so they're kind of scrambling the entire time but it feels very almost like a star trek episode it's like you got these professionals trying to do a job mm. trying very to solve the problem and then the bears keep popping up so they have to deal with bears as they as they come up you know and then they're you know yeah, the, the, the stuff goes not working anymore and let's try the shark cage and just what what else can we do? What else can we do? And then they're all kind of bonding. You can almost imagine Kirk, Spock, and McCoy 
out there as like a little triad out there and um yeah i hadn't i didn't consider that um it does have that kind of star trek yet thing at the end where it's just it's 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 all just focused on them solving the problem uh out there on their little boat they have these these all these shark proof maneuvers too like the anti-shark cage and the barrels she never mm-hmm. goes down with three barrels and then it goes down with three barrels and there's always those moments of like yeah, and that, yeah, that helps with the, with, the, with the tension because, like, you feel yeah. like these guys are professionals and they have these tools for this job. It's like, you know, Quint has done this before. And then it's just like everything he's throwing at it is is not working. And it gets to the point where he has to be like, Hooper, what do you got? Which, which, what you got? And, and like, he like, he trusts him. He's just like, okay, this is what we're doing. And, you know, I'm going to do the best I can w- w- for you, you know. So, yeah. and then that helps the tension. It's just like, okay, how do we defeat this? Our best people are being chomped in half by sharks flying on the boat so mm. you know now they bring that up I, I think one of the th- things i like about like i said it's a lot earlier like how the movie really kind of sets up the the situation and the three characters and then pushes them on the boat together and they're all very different from each other and especially with um hooper and quint there's like conflict and tension between them um and i, I love when stories do this like Rather than, I feel like a lot of shows nowadays would have these long scenes of them sitting down, talking about their feelings, why they don't like each other, and which can work, but like they do the show don't tell approach where it's much, they're focusing on most of the dialogue is about them doing the stuff together, and it all kind of happens naturally as they're, you see the relationships develop rather than like, sitting down it's like i think it's about time for our relationship to develop what do you say well we have to get over my trauma regarding you okay none of that um <laughs> <laughs> then we can proceed then we can proceed over drinks and dinner um i love that scene where they're all together drinking and they're showing off the, the scars, battle scars yeah. and everything and and then probably my favorite scene in the whole I have two favorite scenes. My first favorite scene is when Quint gives the monologue about being on the in- Indian. That's probably the closest I think the movie gets to trying to get some kind of message across. Though I think it's very much up to your interpretation what, like, how, like, he was on. And that's a true story. Like, the ship that was delivering the bomber that was going to drop the bomb on Hiroshima, the Japanese sank it, and then a huge chunk of the crew were eaten by sharks and it's this six days for the next six days. And it's this, this weird little like sub note story in like the history of us dropping the bomb on Hiroshima. It's like, Oh, by the way, this also happened. It's like, it's so, and there's no other real story like it. It's just, it's very surreal and spooky. And when he tells it, it almost feels like a ghost story, but it actually happened. And then that last line he has, it's like, anyway, we got the bomb there. And then that's the end of the story. And it's just kind of like, yeah, what does, what? And it's all very up to your interpretation as to, as to what that means. And I don't, I don't think that was in the original book either, because I think the Indianapolis story was declassified in between when he wrote the book and when the movie came out. And then it became like this, oh my, no one knew that this had happened because it was classified. And then so then it made its way into the end of the film. Um, my other favorite part is, and this one was totally improvised, is when Brody's at home and at dinner, and then his kid starts mimicking him, 
And then there's this kind of moment where they're kind of doing the little mimicking game with each other. I think it's such a awesome little moment. It has nothing to do with the plot. It didn't have to be in it, but you just really just see like, this is just a guy who cares about his kids. He's just in this situation that is so above him. And then he just has this moment with his kid where he's like, thanks, thanks little guy. Yeah. And when he has, crucial to his character I was going to say not to the plot necessarily but like it brings him back mm. after being blamed for that little kid's death yeah um, it gives him his humanity back he's like oh yeah I'm a dad and I'm a good dad mm. I have this thing that loves me that needs me to take care of him I'm going to be okay mm. um, I guess we should talk a little bit about Steven Spielberg um, yeah I'm wondering like, is this a case where like is because we've talked about like it's such a simple concept and it's so effective is this a case where like the thing they're working with is so strong or do we think this is a case where spielberg or and or the execution is really what delivers it or takes it across the finish line what do we think oh i think that the execution was absolutely essential i don't i don't think the story could have held up on its own without all of those elements, all the elements that we've been talking about. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think I would watch that movie. Mm. Otherwise I don't think I'd be interested in that story at all. If it was just some amateur hour yeah. director, I'll do a shark movie. I mean, how many <laughs> shark movies have been made since then and how many are good? None of them. None, none of them. <laughs> Not one. Insane. Um, and we talked a little bit about like what that magic is. Um, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of hard to pin down though. Like there's lots of little things like the shots. Um, yeah, but it's like, what is it that, what is it really like the score, but that's John Williams. It's like, yeah, what is it about this? That really, I don't know, pushes it a, across the finish line. Yeah, he just sees the human condition. I really think that's what it is. And he sees the stories he wants to tell so clearly. Uh, and as a filmmaker, he has the tools. He just knows how to make that happen. He knows how to delegate to the right people to, to create what he wants. I think that's just who Steven Spielberg is. Like, it's like, it's a craft, but it, it must at a certain level be like breathing to him. You know what I mean? Uh, who was it that asked him to direct, uh, was it artificial intelligence, AI, whatever that, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, and he wanted Spielberg to do it because he had the sincerity, I believe, was the term Kubrick used. And yeah. I also like his kind of sentimental... Oh, sentimentality. That was, his, that's what it was. sense of sentimentality. He, yeah, I, I don't think... Because I remember hearing that a couple of years ago. I think you told me that because um, you were talking about it. I, I haven't seen that movie. And at the time, I was just like, I guess I can feel that, but I'm not sure... I guess I can only conceptualize maybe what Kubrick was getting at. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, while we're watching that, while watching this, I think, I, I think it's speaking kind of to the same theme. Cause I like, think about all kind of his movies. He, I mean, and he couldn't do this if he didn't have the tools to, you know, the, the directing tools to, to, to right. pull it off. But right. he seems to know what the story is about. And, how to best get that across for whatever it is. It, it could be very simple. It could be complex, you know. I mean, you look at his like, filmography, you know, he's got, you, know, you have this, Indian, uh, he did 
Raiders Lost Ark. Yeah. Um, you know, Schindler's List. Um, Close Encounters. Close Encounters. You know, Jurassic Park. And it's just like, you know, throughout his film, I, I'm, there's a lot I'm leaving out. E.T. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but he always seems to, like, to kind of get to that that feeling of what the, the kind of the story is about or trying to get across. And I think, I think he's always able to communicate that very well, even if there's a, a breadth of feelings that his um, movies and stories can tell sometimes. And then John Williams backs it up. And then, yeah. Get to the rest of the way yeah. there. So Steven Spielberg sets it up, and then John um, Williams coming from his... Spike. <laughs> spike. Full middle. I'd yeah, love to I see think they two. both just... Great I don't know, they understand the human condition in a way that... And I, I don't know, not very many other producers, directors mm. do really. Like I, I, that specific scene where they were all talking and showing the battle scars and then he was talking about the tattoo that he had removed mm. and um, the guy's like, um, Hooper's like, oh, does it say like like your mom, mother. mother or something? And he's laughing so hard and he's like, no, it's, it's this. And he tells the story and it's just this, this mixture of like, you know, wit and like helplessness and then it all just somehow comes together in this way that is so unique and i don't know it just feels right it just feels like like that is what the human condition is is this this mixture of helplessness and you know we all have to work together in the end to you know figure shit out see past your differences and i yeah i i I like you know noting that in in a lot of spielberg movies Mm. yeah the three of them coming together to, mm-hmm. to take on this pro like this and can they almost represent the, the community yeah that needs you know, this whole community is under attack and these three guys have to come together to like save their community um yeah and then uh you you had said tanner like yeah the the, the feeling and you and you told me it's like it just you, you know describing that sequence is like it just feels right and it's like yes yeah, somehow spielberg is able to tap into this quality of like say when I was watching Oppenheimer, I had to really have my brain engaged. I had to really pay attention to the dialogue. Again, not as a criticism of the film, but it's like it's just it, a different experience. Different experience, and you have to turn your thinky think think brain on. Um, physics is <laughs> physics. <laughs> um, what do you expect from theory alone? Um, zero. <laughs> zero would be good. Would be good. Um, this though, like Spielberg is able to just like, he's like, this isn't a book. This isn't this, this is like a movie. Like, like it's a very visceral experience. And somehow he's able just to tap into just like, I don't think about it. And not to say that my brain is turned off. You just, you're emotionally engaged with it. It's just such an interesting visceral feeling. And he just knows how to get those beats across. And that's really hard to do in storytelling and being effective about it. And I think, you know, that sentimentality, I think also speaks to this kind of, there's always this, there's like this kind of hope and longing. I feel like I see in a lot of his movies and I see if, and like, I think I see that in some of this film again with the, with his kid, I get some of that hope and that longing and just some of his, uh, his relationship with his his family and everything. And, and that, that last moment where the two of them are, are paddling off together. What day is it? You know? And it's like Wednesday. Oh no, Tuesday. I think it's Tuesday. Wow. To think I used to be afraid of the water. (laughs) Can't imagine why, 
but there's this real bond, you know, and this man has now overcome his fears. And I think we all have this kind of who doesn't long and hope to overcome their fear. And, and in the end, that's really what the film is. This guy over the ultimate overcoming his fear of the water movie by tackling this giant man eating belly flopping shark. <laughs> and he overcomes his fear. Gets out into the water, gets eaten by a shark the very next day. <laughs> yeah, just a just a regular old tiger shark. I'm not afraid. <laughs> I am. You hear that? I'm not afraid anymore. Uh, but thinking of Spielberg's other movies, I mean, if you think of Alan Grant in Jurassic Park, you know, Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List, Indiana Jones and in Indiana Jones, they all have kind of similar qualities or things that he's looking at with his main characters, with how they feel. It, it feels like this is. This is not a character against this something. This is a human against this. They all feel, you know, all feel very, I guess, human. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, the, I guess, the human condition, they all taps into that humanity. I guess is yeah. maybe a, a way to, to to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, he does really well. Um, that I just realized all all of them kind of share that kind of similar similar quality. While oftentimes not act directly speaking to it, it's all kind of implied through the actions that are happening. Um, yeah, really good. Thanks, Steven Spielberg. Appreciate what, you. What would we do without you? Um, we'll read your ads for money. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think? So, you know, having just watched it in 2023, clearly we all really enjoyed it. Um, this is considered to be one of the greatest films of all time. What do you think? Does it? Does it live up to that reputation still? Would us pers- personally, would you consider it one of the greats of all times, one of the best films you've seen? I don't know. What do you think? Does it still warrant the reputation? Gosh, I feel like I'd have to see what came just before, like peak. What was the peak thriller? What was the peak horror movie right before Jaws came out? Like 74, 73, just all the time before that? Yeah, like to consider it like one of the best movies of all time. Mm. I don't know if it's up there. But if it really did change the game as much as they say it did, then certainly it deserves to be. Yeah. If we're, if we were if we were going just by impact on the cinema landscape, you could almost objectively say it is just because it did have such a. Because um, it's so iconic. It's so iconic. Um, but in terms of like the, um, the just the film itself, the quality. If you're just watching this in 2023 with all of that, if you could removed just watching it as a movie and someone says this is one of the best this is considered to be one of the greatest films of all time you sure (laughs) (laughs) i saw that shark jumping on the boat guys i don't know guys yeah i think it's like it's on the american film institute list of 100 it's like 50 60 something on there jaws Um, there's a lot of things they're looking at but what do you what do you guys think toby cast um i mean i get it like i there's a lot of, you know, iconic films that, you know, I can I can respect them and I can, you know, say, yeah, this is an objectively good movie. Um, but, like, personally, I probably wouldn't put it on, like, my top yeah. 50 list. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can appreciate it for what it is and for what it did for cinema. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. Still no Moby Dick. No, 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 it's not. That's the better one still. <laughs> Just everyone in 1975. It's not Moby Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man's a ham. <laughs> what do you think, Cass? 
Um, yeah, I kind of what Toby said. Like, I can appreciate it for what it is. Um, I would watch it again, and I would recommend that anybody see it so that they can also appreciate it, especially knowing the impact it's made on um, the film industry in general. And now knowing that it was, like, the original blockbuster, that's really interesting to me. Um, and being able to see it from that perspective. Um, definitely not, like, in my top favorite movies, but absolutely can appreciate everything about it. Um, and I understand why people like it. Mm. So. What do you think, Tanner? Uh, I'm going to end in the same place, but I am going to note that my appreciation for the movie has grown considerably with compared this, with to this watch. W- yeah, what I am... When I last watched it, and then the idea I had in my mind, um, and I think a lot of that comes from just appreciating the filmmaking aspect. And so, in that sense, if someone said, you know, I don't think Jaws is one of the greatest movies of all time, I would probably attempt to argue with them. Just, just from a filmmaking perspective, I think it deserves to be on there, even with the last fifteen minutes <laughs> happening way too quickly, getting enormous. Yeah. Um, but that said, I don't think I would put it on yeah, my, like a, a list of – it It might show up depending on how far back you go, like 100 movies maybe. But, um, yeah. But but like if someone said like, oh, we're going to watch Jaws, I'd be like, I don't, I'll, I'll come watch. Or it's just like if someone asked me like, hey, would I watch Jaws? Like, absolutely. Yeah. You should, yes, mm. 100%. Yeah, I think for me, like I would call it – this is one of my favorite films. I've seen it a bunch of times. I love this film. Um I, Where's this ranked on your list? I, I is this a top twenty? Is this a top ten? I don't know. It's. I mean, I I never rank any of thing. But no, but you can guess. <laughs> certainly, in a, certainly in a top fifty, I would say. I, I okay. this is easily one of those movies where someone says, anytime someone says, "Do you want to watch Jaws?" I'm like, absolutely, let's do it. I always get a kick out of it. Um, I think part of it for me, and like this is something we were talking about earlier. Um, how when we both kind of tackle something, there's that kind of like delving into it. I think for me, this is a case of it's not just the movie. I love all the behind the scenes stories about the, the, the making of it. Just like the it's place in like the American mythos. It has that kind of quality to it. Like it, it feels like a if someone says like, I don't know, name like, you know, 10 quintessentially American films. And I'm like, I might, I'm, I don't know if I would say it's like a top 10 greatest of all time, but I'm like quintessential, like American film. I'm like jaws, like, like it, 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 it both speaks to like a larger universal, timeless human thing. You know, like a, a story like jaws could happen anywhere at any time, but how it looks at it and how it tackles, it feels very American. Um, and in terms of just the the rugged individual, you know, and like the the perfect, they live in this perfect little American Americana town, like how it all looks and like their communities under attack. And this one guy and a couple of buds got to go out there and take on this shark, just something about the whole thing. And, and then it created the modern Hollywood blockbuster. So I think if I'm uh, accounting for all of that, I think that's part of why I love the film. It's just, there's just so much history and lore and zeitgeist surrounding this film. Like it just kind of like, you know how they talk about in like time travel movies. It's like, but this is one of those moments like in time of which like all time 
You know, like what? What is Doctor Who? A fixed a point the, in space. It's a, fix, it's a fixed point in time. Like this has to happen. Other things can change. I can't change it, Rose. I won't. Yeah. You don't understand. Jaws is a fixed point in time. We can't change it. It's the <laughs> best movie ever made. Oh, <laughs> it's the best man. part. Doctor Who could totally pull that off. I mean, it's just like, yeah. You know it's sure. Coming. Okay. <laughs> Um, oh boy. I, I think that so for me this is definitely a favorite and a lot of it is just that um, larger stuff um, surrounding it um, we talk about the Jaws tour at Universal at, Univer at Universal Studios no longer it's yeah, not a thing anymore did any of you guys ever go on the Jaws tour at, yeah it was part of just the tram ride but then like you'd go by Jaws and he'd pop out of the water we went and did that yep King Kong when the old King Kong was still there yeah that shark often didn't work as well. <laughs> um, the lasting effects of shark oh, okay. conservation. We, we should, yeah, we should. That might be important. One last little thing we have to talk about. Um, and this is interesting for me now, being a vegan. Um, so this movie, the 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 dark legacy of this film, um, the troubled legacy of the film, is that this since this film came out, it has led to a massive decrease in the shark population, great whites in particular, um, and has just really fed this kind of public misconception of like sharks are incredibly dangerous and they need to be hunted. And they're people think of sharks as the shark in Jaws when it's like, that is, this is an atypical, this is a monster. This is not a regular shark. So it has led to a, um, you know, so th this has had the unfortunate consequence of like actual sharks have lots of sharks have died because of this movie. I don't know. What do you guys think? You know, is there something to be said for like, I don't know, responsibility in storytelling or is this just like a, there's no way you could have foreseen this. I don't know. Like coming. What do you guys think? Um, I, I, I mean, I do think there may be, I, I don't know. It seemed like like, kind of hindsight in terms of like if maybe they could put a message or something in it's like these things are fictitious you know the events portrayed are fictitious sharks don't attack this often um yeah i don't know where like the count and research and stuff on sharks and was at that time um i, I know the author of the book has you know uh, expressed his regret on feeling um spielberg as well gu uh, guilty for that mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah. Nowadays, if this movie was was made, I think, um, yeah, some consideration for that would definitely need to be put in. Um, but but I, I would say, as I was watching, as I was wa I was thinking about this, knowing it's like this is um, responsible for you know lots of sharks being hunted and I, I think part of that is because it feels so natural and organic i was watching i was just like i know this is all a lot of this basically all bullshit but i, I can't help but be just like oh yeah oh yeah this is this is this is how it goes it, it just feels so natural so yeah it, it almost it almost feels like if you put some sort of warning it would, it would almost take away from that feeling but not to say you should be like it's like a filmmaking is more important than sharks i'm no, I'm not saying that, um, but but I I do think yeah these days some consideration if you know at least maybe something afterwards you know to see what kind of effects are being done I, I don't know but yeah it'd be great to see like before make to like a whole marketing campaign about how cool sharks actually are or something I mean we have Shark Week now 
Yeah. That's a huge thing yeah. in sharks' favor. Because they're, they're curious and inquisitive little murder puppies. <laughs> <laughs> they really are. They're kind of sweethearts. Um, not so much the great whites and the tiger sharks, the super aggressive ones, but there, there are a lot of sharks that are generally very peaceful when they're not trying to eat. Now they could even put a message on this Blu-ray. I mean, this was, when, when did this come out? This is the 40th anniversary one. Is that what you said? Yeah, so I think 2015. This, this and this and this Blu-ray or this 4K release, I think, was 2020. So just in the last few years, did this oh. 4K version come out? Yeah, I mean, if they had put out like a mess, like included a message in here, you know, basically saying it's just like since this movie has come out, these are the impacts on like the shark population, and saying it's just like yeah, this these are fictitious events. Sharks are awesome, or you know, not like exactly like that, but. Yeah, I would if that, if that had popped up. I'm just like, yeah, they they should probably, you know, include that. You know, mm. I'd I'd be all for that if they included that in something like this. Mm. Yeah, you know that. May, I'm I'm almost surprised that something like that doesn't exist. Even for something like um, like if you watch Gone with the Wind now, it always starts with yeah. like, hey, by the way, uh, before you watch this movie, there are some problematic elements, and this is not actually how slavery was, and maybe you should do some research. But here you go, Gone with the. <laughs> 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 Gone with the Wind, which is fine because I wouldn't want them to get rid of Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. But even just having something like that, hey, by the way, this was made at a time they weren't really. And I'm like, yeah, why not for Jaws? You know, why not? What's the harm? Yeah, I know in Australia, I think following you know the release of this movie, there were shark culling policies that were implemented that have still still are in place, still on the books, um, and. What's the author's name? Peter Benchley. Is mm-hmm. that right? Uh, yeah, he's like dedicated his life. I think when did he die? Two thousand six. Yeah, something like that. Um, so he dedicated like the rest of his life to marine conservation. I was like, sorry about this. Yeah, he said like he wouldn't have written the book had yeah. he known more. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, your question was, um, you know, should they take some form of responsibility? I, I think certainly. I think if you know the effects are you know as such, then. I think he did a pretty good job in Spielberg both to, you know, come forward and, you know, they were regretful and mm. have since, I mean, made some sort of effort. I mean, I don't know, Spielberg, what shark conservation efforts yeah, he's a I part of. I don't know, of. but he himself has expressed regret. Yeah. So I, I'm almost surprised that he hasn't insisted yeah. that something. That something's, yeah, in the end before credits Jaws or something like that. Or at the end, something, mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Like, part of me was like, what, "Am I gonna feel differently about this movie now that I am vegan?" I'm like, "No," because I'm like, I feel for me, I'm like, this is clearly a monster movie. I don't feel like they're actually trying to get across sharks are dangerous. It just the whole every time I watch this, I'm like, "No, this feels like an atypical." They all act like this is not a regular mm-hmm. thing that's happening, um, and that still comes across to me. So I think it's one of the uh, it, yeah. In hindsight, now if you could do something to help kind of remedy that, sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know if I would say like you shouldn't have made. There's no way. There's no way you could know that that's actually what's going to happen. Now we know. Now yeah. we know, and we can use that knowledge. So, so stop making stupid shark movies because they're not good. <laughs> they're not good, and they're killing sharks. And they perpetuate shark <laughs> stereotypes and and kill them. And we need those probably. We need sharks. Yeah, I think they are vital to are. ocean populations. Yeah. Yeah. Majority of species. Um All right. Well, um final just a few any final thoughts before we um wrap it up? Um Toby, any final thoughts on Jaws? Nope. <laughs> <laughs>
Nope. <laughs> I think that's our I've first said. nope. <laughs> oh, Any really? Thoughts? Nope. Oh, no. Nope. No, no thoughts. Nope. Read the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jaron and I were talking. When was it? Like a few days ago. A few so days I, do you ago. Think we could just binge. It's it's two hundred pages. We could totally do it. And then I went to the library, and they're like, "We have an audiobook, but it like you can't get it for four more weeks." I was like, "Oh well, okay." Otherwise, we we could have binged the book. Binge the book real quick. Next yeah. time we'll Next do time. Uh, uh, yeah. talk about the Jaws book. By Peter Benchley. <laughs> Podcast book club. Yeah. Our Patreon exclusive content um, coverage on the Jaws novel. Read all the Lord of the Rings before we watch the movies. Oh, yeah, the movies. <laughs> Real quick. No, <laughs> um, Tanner, any final thoughts on Jaws? Mm, I guess perhaps a PSA that while sharks are awesome. Jaws mm. could be hiding around any corner, so <laughs> keep your eye out. Jaws could be in the Great Salt Lake. You don't know. I mean, you saw how smart he was. Uh, I mean, <laughs> trench coat, hat, it could be anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. Well, and apparently that whole family of sharks just holds grudges. Gr- yeah, grudges. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they have telepathic mind control powers. <laughs> Do you guys ever see like the, the old SNL land shark bit land they shark. used to do? Oh, my God. Be someone sitting at home just king gong, just like girls got cookies. Wait a minute, are you that land shark I've been hearing about? What? Ding dong, Jehovah's Witness. Nope, I'm not getting the door for that. Ding dong, Candy Graham. You know, I was actually expecting something. Opens the door, just dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> shark just comes in, bites the guy, and just leaves. <laughs> are you the land shark? <laughs> land shark. No, it's so good. Um, Cass, any final thoughts on Jaws? Yeah, this was a fantastic introduction to this movie, and then getting to talk about it with all of you, I think really made me appreciate it even more. Um, like I said, I have a very short attention span for movies, especially older movies, um, but this one was so easy to watch, and being able to talk about the cinematography, the score, just everything about it just made it that much better for me. So yeah. thank you all for popping my Jaws cherry. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is always one I'm like, oh, you haven't seen Jaws? Well, that's my outside. <laughs> um, hell yeah, I'm glad we were able to introduce you to it. Um, Aaron, final thoughts on Jaws? I had fun. I'm, I'm full of pizza. No, I'm, I'm approaching sleepy. <laughs> Cheeseburger pizza. It was, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was good to watch it with my adult brain. Yeah. yeah. I, I did have a much better appreciation of the movie, like Tanner this time. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's always those shots for me. Every time, more and more as I watch the film, I've gotten older, I, just seeing how he's trying to tell stories with just some of those shots. Really well done. Well done, Steven. Not half bad. Oh, you're on. You're on first name basis with yeah Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> Steve hey <laughs> that Jaws flick you did great right, we're gonna have you go out the back door <laughs> so are, are you in Steven Spielberg's office with a with an afro and glasses and hey. you know, K- hey. Kermit Kermit's Steve gonna put a script on his desk and walk out the door hi ho Steven it's so good to see you we should do lunch sometime mm, yeah. um, how did you get in here <laughs> I love your hair don't ever change it little Muppets Take Manhattan reference. Um, all right. Um, well, thanks for coming on, everyone. I always love doing these, and this was, this was fun for me. I love this movie. I think this, for me, this is the one I just been like, Jaws. Star Wars, can, Star Wars can go to hell. 
and Batman. I don't know what that is, but Jaws. Yes. Um, awesome. Um, thank you, Cass, for coming back on, um, doing a non-Star Trek show with us. Thanks for having me. I was very excited when Aaron said, like, Cass hasn't seen it. I'm just like, yes, <laughs> bring her. I actually said that before I was sure that you hadn't seen it. Like, yeah. Cass hasn't seen it. Wait, let me check. But I'm almost 100% sure she hasn't seen it. Yes. Perfect. That was uh, perfect. Um, Tanner, as always, thank you from for stepping from your room into the, into the living room and, so much work. and actually joining us. I switched out of my pajamas, the, the <laughs> effort I had to put in to, to come fill in here. We had to really swing Tanner, everyone. Yeah. He was booked. <laughs> All that Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, it was fun watching it with you just cause like we, because of us watching the, the Jaws sequels. And so it's like, it's, it's fun to actually like, oh yeah, the good one. Thank, thank God. <laughs> um, and Toby, thanks for coming on the show for the first time. Of course. Um, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to have to have you come on for actual Star Trek. I'd love to. Because you have never watched Star Trek. What? Nope. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and Toby and I get into all kinds of like stories and philosophy, but I'm like. Like every day. I'm like, I, th- I think you would like Star Trek. They get into yeah. some fun stuff. So we'll have to find a good one for y'all. Like a good little okay. intro, like newbie episode. I, I, I'm not sure yet. I've been looking at the list. I'm like, which one would be good for Toby? But we'll get you on for some Star Blick. Brilliant. Can't wait. Um, otherwise, I will guess I will see you um, on Tuesday. On Tuesday. Yay! Yeah. Well, we have the day off tomorrow. Thank Jeebus. Jesus H. Christ. Um, <laughs> Aaron, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Jaron. It's um, been lovely. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 was, it took us a second to put this all together like i was hoping to have this recorded like a month ago <laughs> and we had a couple other guests who were going to come on but that didn't work out so we we really had to like figure out like make it all work but we finally did um and it turned out really well i think i'm happy with it yeah it's really funny um then it's back into star trek for you and i once again yeah here we go back into the final frontier the good stuff <laughs> yeah fuck this jaws crap <laughs> oh, i just meant the good track yeah, but yeah. Into the good years. Yeah, Star Trek The Next Generation, the good years. <laughs> All right, everyone at home, thank you uh, so much for watching. I um, hope you enjoyed our thoughts on Jaws, and if not, well, I'm sure there's another podcast out there for you. Um, one or two. One or two. The, the, the anti-Jaws podcasts. <laughs> no, the Jaws 2 podcast, the yes. Jaws 3 podcast, and Jaws the Revenge podcast. Uh, Jaws 3D is by far the more immersive experience. Uh, <laughs> and here's why you should listen to this instead of nerd movies. <laughs> Uh, um, geek geek movies. Um, yeah. Geek movies. Geek, geek movies. films. Geek films. <laughs> Our competitor, Geek Films. Damn you, Geek Films. <laughs> it's Jaws hosting that, by the way. How did they get so much more successful so fast? <laughs> Welcome to our coverage of uh, Jaws 3. <laughs> what happened to all you? Yeah, he comes back. We just got done eating. I mean, <laughs> watching... <laughs> All my guests had to leave, though. I I shall be talking about this movie myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, um, Coming down the pike, we got some more Star Trek. Um, Next week, we'll have a little preview of what's coming down the road. Um, So until next time, we will see you then. Bye. 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 Don't eat my shark. Bye.